Welcome to the Giants Huddle. Get him in the huddle, get him in the huddle, get him in the huddle. A New York Giants podcast. I'm John Schmoke and welcome to the newest episode of the Giants Huddle podcast. This week's guest, NFL Network's draft analyst, Daniel Jeremiah. Thank you for being with us. If you're listening on Giants.com or the Giants mobile app, we're also on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe, make us part of your feed, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a positive review. We appreciate you being with us. And now we're joined by our guest on the Giants Huddle Podcast. That is Daniel Jeremiah, former NFL scout, NFL network analyst. You can find him on Twitter at Move the Sticks, and you can also find them on the Move the Sticks podcast with Bucky Brooks. Daniel, I enjoy the podcast, and since we're talking Giants football, I encourage people to tune into your episode back in the spring when you basically talk to everybody in Daniel Jones's life on your Daniel Jones's 360 podcast, tell the folks if they go check that out what they can hear there. Yeah, no, it, it was a lot of fun. We've done this every year. We've tried to uh, identify a handful of, of, of high-ranking prospects and do a deep dive, you know, as if we were, you know, still studying for a team. And um, what we did, we were able to reach out to family members. I mean, literally, we talked to his, his mom, his sister, uh, Coach Cutcliffe, who coached him there at Duke. We talked to uh, people that were around him in high school. Um, so we had a chance to, to really do a deep dive on him and find out a lot, not just about him as a player, because we can all see that and, um, you know, strengths and weaknesses uh, and those things, but find out a lot about his personality. And, uh, you know, you go to NFL.com slash MTS360. MTS stands for Move the Stick. So NFL.com slash MTS360. Um, you can find all those episodes, including the Daniel Jones episode. And uh, I think you learn you learn a little bit more about him, and I think you, you kind of see that there's a little bit of a kind of a silent assassin uh, tucked underneath all the aw, aw shucks uh, personality you might see on the outside. I like that silent assassin. And I guess our timing could be a little bit better, though I guess you learn a little bit something about quarterbacks after they play a couple of really good football teams. He's coming off two real good defenses, Daniel, with the Vikings and the Patriots. What have you seen from Daniel in those two games and so far in his NFL career since taking over for Eli Manning? Well, I look, the first couple games were outstanding. Um, and you, you look at just, unfortunately, all the injuries around him and, and the weaponry that's disappeared. And then you look at, the, you know, especially this week, short week on the road to play the best defense in football right now. Um, and you're missing your top two running backs and an assortment of other important players. Uh, you know, obviously, your number one target there in, in Ingram. So, um, I, I don't read too much into that, although I left, even with the turnovers, I left encouraged that, you know, he was still attacking. You know, a lot of times you'll see guys try and protect their stats, and uh, you'll see them just check down, and they're not going to even try and get first downs or try and move the ball down the field, just knowing, hey, we're probably not going to win, uh, but I'm not going to be too aggressive. I don't want to make my, my numbers, you know, look terrible. And, and he stayed in attack mode, which I think, not only do I like to see from the outside, but I'm sure the people inside the uh, the building and on that team uh, were appreciative of that, that this kid went up there and fought. And, uh, you know, I actually thought that was a good takeaway from that game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it, it kind of reflects back to his experience at Duke, and I think it's kind of what made him a tough scout for a lot of people, Daniel, because, mm-hmm. you know, you looked at his tape at Duke, and he was out, man. Not one player he ever played with an offense at Duke got drafted. He just played against Clemson. <laughs> I mean, no, yep. n- nobody's getting open. He's got to throw it into small windows, and that's exactly what you're going to have to face in the NFL, and I think it's probably one of the reasons he's been able to get off to the fast start he has, especially coming from a David Cutcliffe coach team. Yeah, I, I said, you know, in the draft process, I think I even said it on draft night that – uh you know, Kyler Murray had more NFL players on his high school team than Daniel Jones had on his college team, which is not a that's a fact. Uh, both of his tackles <laughs> at Allen High School were drafted. Uh, so, and I think yeah, I think Kyler Murray had 23 FBS players on his high school team. So, 
So Kyler Murray wow. had always taken the field with better players than who he was playing against. If you look, you know, take the A and M experience out, but if you look at him in high school and then look at him at Oklahoma, you know, save for one start against Alabama, he had better players than what he was playing against. And it's the exact opposite with Daniel Jones, who was really kind of fighting an uphill battle the whole time. Um, but you got to see him in, in in real adversity on the field and how he functioned and how he competed. And uh, you know, I think that uh, that helped him so far early in his career. But I know he. He's had enough of that, saying, "Hey, okay, let's get the, let's get our guys back healthy so I can have some good players here." Yeah, and that, now in terms of the next step for him, because I think while that helps him in doing some of these things, he also has put the ball in danger a little bit, and he takes some chances. Yeah. As you watch him, what are the things that you think he needs to clean up to take that next step in his NFL career? Well, I think you know, any time with some younger players, there's going to be times where you guys say, "Hey, just give up on a play." You know, he he does not want to do that, so. Um, there's times to throw the ball away, times to even maybe even take a sack um, just to protect the football. But I, I'm, you know, I've seen it on both sides, and I would much rather have to rein in somebody that's a little too aggressive uh, than to try and kickstart somebody and get them to uh, to try and be a little more aggressive and push the ball down the field. So I think, given the choice, that would be a problem you would choose. What are some of the things that are really tough for a rookie quarterback to improve on? Because I think one thing, I think it lends to the point you just made where he's trying to make big plays. Sometimes he'll maybe hold the ball a little bit too long, either yeah. hang in the pocket a little bit a second too long, or even maybe sometimes bail a little bit early to try to get outside the pocket and make a play. What are some of the things that you think are, are easier for a quarterback to fix? And what are the things that are more difficult that might take some time for him to make improvements on? Well, I think, look, you can make mechanical changes, you know, in terms of your footwork and, uh, you know, what you're doing in that department, um, you know, pocket movement. I think some of those things you can improve on. I think the thing that might take a little bit longer is your clock. And, mm. and that's just realizing, you know, there was that play last night um, in the ball game where, you know, his arm got hit and he threw a pick. But yep. he held the ball so long. And if, if he has his clock going, okay, you know, i got to get rid of this thing or something bad's going to happen. Um, I think that's something that takes just a little getting used to of realizing kind of what the timing is, what the clock is, and when it's time to just get rid of the football and, and live for another down. I think that um, that just takes reps. That takes uh, getting out there and piling up the starts and getting more experience. And um, I think that's a little bit of a slower process. Final one on Jones before I jump to a couple of the other guys the Giants drafted. Daniel, what do you think his ceiling is in terms of how good he can get? I said it, uh, you know, through the process. I thought if you, if you were to put him on the scale and what the range was for Daniel Jones, I put the floor at a guy like Ryan Tannehill, you know, who's a functional starter in the league, and uh, I think he'll get an opportunity again at some point in time. But kind of a lower-tier starter, that's the floor. And uh, the ceiling for him, I thought, was like a Matt Ryan. And, uh, you know, you look at Matt Ryan, obviously the top five pick, and uh, has been an MVP in this league and, and you know, really should have a Super Bowl. Uh, if they don't blow that against New England. So um, that, to me, is the type of quarterback he is. Now, he's a little more athletic than Matt, uh, but I think just in terms of of how they play the game, um, arm talent-wise, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, it's funny. I I had Andy Dalton as a low end, and I had a more athletic Matt Ryan as my high end, too. That's funny. I'm I'm with you on that. Um, All right, Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence, Daniel. He's a guy a lot of people thought, oh, 340 plugger. I got to be honest. Watching him so far this year, I'm more impressed with his pass rush than I've been with his run stuffing ability. Yeah, you know what? It's a great lesson in scouting because uh, you know I, I liked him as a player. He's a freaky athlete, but he didn't have much pass rush production. And, and a good portion, of, a good reason for that is because he came off the field. They had a 
you know, so many linemen. Obviously, you saw all those D linemen get drafted to Clemson last year, and they had some young guys in the wings. Um, but they kind of go to that race car package when they get in, in sub situations and passing downs, and he would trot off the field. So the the lack of pass rush production, partly because you know he just didn't have the opportunities. And now you're seeing a guy who's out there, and not only is he just a push the pocket, you know, guy, he's somebody that's at that size and and uh, uh, weight has got tremendous quickness, and uh, he can win with his hands, he can get upfield. Um, he's been impressive. I'm with you. You know, I knew he'd be come in and be a dominant point of attack guy in the run game, but he's he's uh, giving you even a little bit more in the passing game. It actually, the way he's playing reminds me a little bit of a young Sean Rogers when he was rolling. Well, and we had Sean Rogers in here at the end of his career. By the way, one of the scariest individuals I've ever dealt with. <laughs> he, 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 he is not the guy you want to walk into in a dark alley. He used to no. walk around here with his wife beater on and just trot around like he owned the place. And, dude, no one got in his way. Yeah, Dexter's a little more fun-loving than Sean. I was around Sean a little bit with with Cleveland in the middle of his career uh, as well, so I, I can uh, I can sympathize with you on that one. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, Dexter, great kid, and and I think people are very optimistic for him. Uh, let's go to the third first round pick, DeAndre Baker. He had a bit of a slow start. He got beat against Dallas playing some press. They've used him in zone a lot more since then, and he's been a little bit more effective. What have you thought about what DeAndre Baker's done so far? Yeah, you know, I haven't seen a ton of him. I've studied the other two pretty extensively. Um, but I just knew with him coming out of Georgia, it was like, uh, to me, he was two different guys. I thought he was much better and off, uh, where he could see through the wide receiver to the quarterback, be able to drive on the football, use his instincts. Um, you know, I, I didn't know that he necessarily had just the raw tools to be up there and press and to be able to, to you know, perform at an elite level up in that role and is a press man guy. So um, I think that's smart and wise of them to put him in a position where he can be a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, and they have used them that way, absolutely. What were your thoughts on O'Shane Zimenez coming out of school, Daniel? Because to me, I, I love yep. him on tape, but of course he's beaten up on the Citadel with some poor kid at right, <laughs> <laughs> at right tackle that can't block anybody. Then he goes to the Senior Bowl. He's very quiet. I was out there with you, too. Yep. And then he's actually had some flash, some some, some pretty good skills here. Uh, what are your thoughts on him in terms of where he needs to develop as a player? Well, he's got the length and the athleticism that you love. And I want to say, I'm trying to remember the game. I know they had stepped up, and I want to say it was Virginia Tech. Uh, he might have had a huge game. It was either Tech or West Virginia, one or the other, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly, one of those schools. And I remember watching that tape, and, and uh, he, he performed quite well there. And you saw, okay, um, he's got the tools that will play above his level of competition. Uh, but even just watching him this year, you see those flashes, you see the burst, you see his ability to bend at the top of his rush. He's got the length that you want. Um, I think just continuing to get stronger, you know, physically stronger, being able to incorporate a little more power into his game. Um, you know, look, as, as a pass rusher, you've got to have either speed or power. Uh, the elite guys have both. And uh, I think he's got the potential uh, to develop some more of that power, and, and uh, that's kind of what's next for him in line. And then Darius Slayton. Look, Auburn was a mess last year, so I think it's kind of hard to figure out what was going on that there. He can fly, though. And, and I'll tell you what, not only can he fly – they figured out that he had eyesight issues. They they got him some contacts, and now he's catching the football, and he's a pretty good route runner. I, boy, if he could figure all that stuff out with his raw athleticism, man, he could be a true X-wide receiver, can't he? Yeah, he's fun. He's fun to watch. Um, you know, I kind of look at the way he plays in his game. Um, you know, a little bit different body types, but he does kind of reminds me of T.Y. Hilton when T.Y. was young. Oh, I like that. You see him make these plays over the top. Um, and just has a different gear. You know, I, I love watching when the ball is up in the air. 
um, can you find another gear? And that dude absolutely 100% can do that. And what it's going to do is it's going to it's going to create a lot of easy completions for your quarterback because you're going to have to respect that speed. Um, you see the same thing a little bit with Will Fuller uh, when he's on the field for Houston. Not only do you see all those home run plays, but you have some you have some layups built into the system because guys have to respect that. Yeah, it's a good point. You got to play off, right? Ryan Connolly's a guy I didn't watch a lot. I didn't watch a lot of Ryan Connolly in college, Daniel. What was your? I was really now he's torn his ACL unfortunately out for the year. He's a really nice kid. It's a yeah. shame, but he's showed a lot of really good instincts here, especially against the run. Try hard kid, obviously, and I was just surprised how quickly he was able to to step in there and, and really take a starting job in just like the third week in the league. Yeah, underrated athlete, and I think you know in coverage, just very instinctive and aware. Um, so, you know, come down and play the run. I knew we'd have a, a good opportunity to do that, but I thought just watching him this year, unfortunately, like you said, the injury sucks. But um, I, I just thought the instincts not only played against the run, but they played well against the pass, uh, putting himself in passing lanes, getting where he needs to be. Um, he's somebody, look, he's going to be a key He's going to be a key member of this team going forward. And when you start stacking up all these names, if you find turnarounds in the NFL, we studied it one year, um, Usually you have to have one draft. You're always trying to get three, you know, three starters in a draft over time is a great draft. Uh, but when you can get a draft where you have four immediate starters, that can be kind of the impetus to really turn an organization. I remember, you know, studying it way back when with the Chargers when they went on their run, kind of in the early 2000s. Um, they had a draft where they had like four or five of those guys, and they actually followed it up another draft with another four. And uh, and you can turn things around in a hurry in this league, especially if one of the four is a quarterback. Absolutely. And one guy that hasn't played a lot is Julian Love. I don't know about you. I was yeah. shocked that he dropped to the fourth round. He can play. He he's worked at safety. He's the looked great good. Nickel. Yeah, he can play the slot absolutely. And what a Giant fans going to get with him when he eventually finds his way onto the field? Well, I compared him. You know, speaking of the Chargers, I compared him to Desmond King. But Desmond King was coming out uh, of Iowa, and we see Desmond King already emerge as an All-Pro nickel. And I thought Love had that same type of ability. I thought if you if you left him outside, he'd get exposed a little bit. But you have somebody that can play in the slot. I thought he could play free safety. Um, somebody that's a good blitzer, just a good tackler, good just good overall football player. Uh, maybe doesn't have that just elite top speed that you want. Um, but somebody that has a feel for it. And, I, you know, I think it's about just finding that right role and right niche for him, and he's going to be a productive player in this league. I almost forgot he was with the Giants, to be honest with you. Uh, that was uh, that was a little bit of a shock to me, too, that he was available at that point in time. And then Corey Ballantyne, did you do any work on him at a Washburn? Because you figure a guy yep. that shows yep. up from – he shows up from Division two. I expect him to be a fish out of water. He goes through the tragedy where his friends get shot the night he gets drafted, yeah. and, and he's involved in the shooting. He has to miss a couple of weeks. And then he comes out in training camp. He looks like the third-best cornerback on the roster, which from Division two is pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's very athletic, and the production, look, when you're playing at that level, you want to see production, and that dude has tons of production. Um, and I, I, I want to say he was at the Senior Bowl. I can't remember if it was the Senior Bowl or the East-West, but he had a good showing down there. It was very competitive uh, in, in the all-star setting. So when I'm watching guys at a smaller school, I want to see them dominate their level, and I want to see when given the opportunity that they step up and uh, are competitive. And that's what that kid did, and, and uh, you know, to, you hate to see what happened there at the – you know, with the shooting, but uh, you know, I think he's somebody that uh, I think Giants fans are going to see a lot of in the future here. Final question, Daniel, because you guys do a lot of when you were in the NFL and now on uh, the Move the Sticks podcast, you guys talk a lot about team building. How do you analyze yeah. the way Dave Gettleman is putting this roster together and his vision 
for what he wants to build the Giants into when they eventually get enough talent on the roster to be a winner? Well, I think you start with kind of the way the Giants have always done it, which is get solid quarterback play and win with, with big guys in the trenches. Um, and I think you've seen that here really over the last couple of years, it, 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 the bodies that have been brought in there and trying to play a, a real physical style of football. Obviously, the offense is going to go through Saquon once he's back healthy. Um, but I think they've got an identity here, you know, trying to be big and, and then also have some explosive players. Um, you've got an explosive, probably the most explosive tight end in the NFL, the most explosive running back in the NFL. Um, now you had a guy like uh, Slayton who can fly on the outside. So you've got a good mix of power and speed. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, I think the next wave is just trying to find some some playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, uh, getting guys that are, you know, can really make some things happen in the back end. So I think that's going to be the next area they address. You can see him on NFL Network. You can find him on Twitter at Move the Sticks and check out the Move the Sticks podcast that Daniel hosts with Bucky Brook. Daniel Jeremiah, we appreciate the time today, Daniel. Awesome information. Thanks a lot for the time. And by the way, the most impressive thing you do to me, how you manage to watch both college football and the NFL and not get in trouble back at home. It's it's very impressive. <laughs> Don't tell anybody, man. Don't let that secret out. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. All right, we'll see you. That's Daniel Jeremiah. Again, you can find him on NFL Network on Twitter at Move the Sticks and the Move the Sticks podcast with Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah. All right, folks, that's it for this week's episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast. Thank you for being with us. And if you're listening on Giants.com with the Giants mobile app, we appreciate it. We're also on all your favorite podcast platforms. Subscribe, make us part of your feed, and the show will get to you whenever a new one is recorded. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle Podcast, everybody. Adios.